There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. Hope you're enjoying your holiday time with your family like we are, but we have a special treat for you today. When I met PJ Fleck, he was the only assistant coach who wore spikes to practice. Maybe the only one I've seen since as well. He was as old as Vincent Jackson, and he was the Bucks' wide receivers coach for a year under Greg Schiano. Well, look at him now. Fleck is the coach of the Golden Gophers football team that will play against Auburn in the Outback Bowl one week from today. Now, I was among several reporters who had a chance to sit down and talk to P.J. at the Outback signing party to talk about his career, his life growing up to become a star receiver at Northern Illinois, how he made it to the NFL as a wide receiver for the 49ers, the tragedy that he and his wife endured, and that created his row-the-boat mantra that he lives by today, and why he wears a tie on the sidelines. One of the bright young coaching stars in college football on this Christmas Day edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Please enjoy this fascinating interview myself, Matt Baker, and former Times staff writer Joey Johnson and others participated in with P.J. Fleck. That one year, as well as the two years prior to that at Rutgers, made me ready to be a head football coach. And this is part of my journey, this is part of my story, part of our blueprint. Um, and we're just excited to be back in the Tampa area. How has this been a dream season? I mean, this has been fantastic. Ten wins for the first time in over 100 years. Right, yeah, I mean, you just hit it. I mean, ten wins, first time since 1904 in the regular season. This is the first time in the history of our program, 137 years, that we've actually won seven conference games. Uh, we have 53 academic All-Big Ten players. Uh, we have two All-Americans. We have 85 players over a 3.0 GPA. Uh, I can go on with all the awards towards players towards the end of the year. Um, but as a coach, you always remember the two that you didn't win, right? And you wonder why you didn't win those. And those, you, it could be two quarters that really don't feel good, and that's the things you're going to focus on as a coach when you have this historic season. But the biggest thing you remember are the players is the stories they have, the moments and memories they've created, the Penn State game, a top-five win for our program, and then the consistency they played with all year to be able to overcome the adversity that they've faced. So how do you describe what this season means, has meant to your program? Um, it's, it's historical. You know, uh, when you look at what we wanted to do at the beginning of the year, we talked about restoring the traditions of what makes Minnesota really special. And when you look at what we've done, we've won seven national titles, 18 Big Ten championships. But as that happened since the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, we talked about this restoration process. We felt like we had a really good football team. And when you look at what our team had accomplished, uh, 10 wins for the first time since 1904. You know, Teddy Roosevelt was the president, and it's a long time ago, breaking up all those big trusts. Uh, and then when we had seven regular season wins in the conference, um, conference wins since the first time ever, 137-year history. Uh, then you start throwing in, yes, that's the football side, but then you start throwing in you know, 85 players above a 3.0, 1,200 hour, 1200 hours of community service, uh, programs about serving and giving. And we only have five four-star, five-star players. And you can find your way into the highest ranking in the history of the school, in the college football playoffs. So um, it just shows what type of people we have. But we knew we had a really special team when we knew what kind of people we have. And 
if you get enough people rowing the boat in the same direction, same speed, same efficiency, you can accomplish extraordinary things. And, and that's how I describe it to people. It's just, just an ex- extraordinary group of young men who all came together for a common cause. When did you notice this seemed to be special? Well, I think you notice that as you kind of go through recruiting. You know, as a head coach, you're always thinking two, three years ahead. Uh, you have to be, right, yeah, in terms of what you're going to be like. And I thought last year we had the youngest team in America. I mean, we started 13, 14 freshmen in that bowl game, and we knew we had a lot of talent, um, and we knew they'd be coming back, and they had failed enough to be successful. Last year we're sitting, I forgot what our record is, that's how much I remember it. After Illinois, I even told Heather, I said, you might want to make sure the mulch is done, the yard's mowed, it looks nice on the outside, because I think you're going to have to sell this thing pretty quick. Um, and then all of a sudden our team grew up. The youngest team in America failed enough to become successful. And I knew when they made that transition, then we beat Indiana, then we beat Purdue, and then we go to Wisconsin and win for the first time in 30 years there. And the first time in 15 straight years, we won the ax. And I knew that we had a really special team. And then we go to the bowl game, and then uh, you know we win by the largest margin in the history of the school. <laughs> and now you're sitting there going, wow, we have a lot of young players that are all coming back. Uh, and then we knew we could have a special team. And we were challenged early by three non-conference opponents that a lot of people kind of look past and say, well, that was an easy schedule. At the time, it wasn't. Those were teams that had won over 30 games combined the year before, only eight losses. But we showed our character, our culture um, of our football team, and we were challenged. And they were able to overcome that, and that helped us in the middle of the year to the end of the year. Coach, go back to that first game with South Dakota State. Did you have any questions after that going, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were? (laughs) You want the real answer, a coach answer, or the, or the real answer? Um, of course you do, you know. And but I will say this is, you know, there's a lot of times when you're playing a team like South Dakota State, and I, you know, I, I, I got a chance to play in the MAC, and then you know I was a coach in the MAC, and you know what that underdog role's like, and you're spinning the underdog role constantly at Minnesota, but in that game it's hard to spin it. Uh, and you're going to find out in week one with new coordinators, new systems for them. You don't even know what you're getting. You're almost preparing for ghosts. And a lot of those players are from the state of Minnesota or from that area. And so there's an extra chip on their shoulder. Um, and then they're a really good football team. They usually end up in the semifinals somehow, some way. Um, it's a huge game for them, huge game for us. And usually game one, a lot of people are feeling each other out. And it was a tremendous ball game. Uh, and we got a late turnover, which was we were very, very thankful for, which we had to earn. And then the biggest thing is we found a way to win. And sometimes it's not as pretty as what people expect. But when people start expecting your wins to be really pretty, you're going in the right direction. And uh, that's what we felt like our fan base was was expecting, and we felt like we were moving that way. Coach, speaking of the fan base, Penn State game, you look up, there's not an empty seat, and it's all purple and gold. How important was that to bringing in recruits and seeing that type of culture? Yeah, I mean, a lot of maroon and gold. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, uh, it was really important for us that we had one of our first sellouts in the last few years. We felt like, you know, everybody was along for the ride, but – Everybody was thinking, you know, well, we'll see after they beat this team. We'll see if they're real after they beat this team. And then you're 5-0, and 6-0, and 7-0. and Then you're 8-0. And, and then we had our state by then. We had the surrounding areas by then. But I don't know if we had everybody nationally. For To wake everybody up nationally to actually turn their head instead of see you out of the side of the peripheral vision, you had to be able to have a, a signature win. And our signature win was Penn State. And James Franklin's a great friend, tremendous football coach. It was a tremendous game unbelievable environment but it showed the power of the state of minnesota it showed what we can be what our program can actually look like one day historically week after week after week week in week out uh and i always think years down the road the way i'm I'm thinking and and that's the picture we had back-to-back sellouts 
uh, with Penn State and Wisconsin. And that's the expectation that I have, that we have to uphold as coaches and players. But that's how we feel like our fans, what they expect. Coach, how did the uh, team handle this as it, as, it, as it kind of spiraled out? Like you said, 5 and 6 and 7. You start getting a little national attention. You start being part of highlight packages. And the, How did they kind of handle this? growing growing attention to the school well we started in january and we talked about this word pressure that pressure is earned not given and if you have the pressure up on yourself and you feel those nerves and that anxiety that means your life's significant you're doing something significant you're doing something bigger than you and for somebody else and that's how we approached the entire offseason so we prepared them for that all along uh, did a lot of things in the weight room academically that's why we have record gpas um, our community services records are the way that our players have been so excuse me socially in our community has been different so we set the expectation really high and we got a lot of good results uh, but when you start to look at how that all added up towards the end of the year, it was a direct reflection of the process leading up to that. Um, but they were ready for every game that they had. They were ready to go into every matchup. But when you get towards the end of the year, you're playing in the Big Ten, you're going to play some really good opponents. Had a tough game at Kinnick. We, we started slow, and that caught up to us. But our team's starting to learn how to win in November. <coughs> they have to learn how to do that. And sometimes when you have to learn how to do that, you've got to get beat in November in really critical games. But I think our team's learned a lot from that, embraced that, and now they can move forward. PJ, what, what picture did you have of yourself when you were an assistant here, um, the last time you were an assistant coach at all in Tampa? Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you become a head football coach, there's, there's always a few coaches that stick to, in your mind of who you want to be like, who you're going to be like. You're never going to be exactly like somebody, but you pull things from certain people. Um, Greg Schiano, if I, if I never worked for Greg Schiano, I would not be a head football coach. Uh, he taught me how to demand. And I don't mean just demand from other people, but demand from yourself to be exactly who you say you are, to be the realest version of you. And working three years for him and then also seeing him at the National Football League level and have the fortune to be able to work for him, you learn that. And it, and, and it gets you ready to become a head football coach, to make really hard decisions when you have to believe in something and it's your vision, it's your expectation, it's your standard, and you got to hold people to that. Uh, Jim Tressel really taught me how to care for players and, and really just be able to embrace all of them um, no matter what they've been able to go through, bring them all together and love them and, and really run a program that's truly based on love. Uh, and then Mike Nolan was the classiest guy I've ever met. I wear a tie on the sideline because of Jim Tressel and Mike Nolan. Uh, that's the reason I wear a tie. I mean, people can say what they want to bring attention to myself. It's really to bring attention to other people. Uh, that's why I wear a tie. Uh, they taught me that when you do something really important, you dress up. And game day is really important to me. But I've learned so much from a lot of people. And then you put your own spin on it. Yeah. And then it, it just becomes your personality. And uh, I wouldn't be here without those individuals. Part of your personality are these slogans, right? And we know what Road the Boat means to you. And but your mom was somebody that would, would sometimes feed these ideas growing up. What influence does she have on, on you thinking a certain yeah, way? Yeah, you know, I was one of those kids that mom packed his lunch, you know. Yeah. And... Uh, I never knew what I was getting. It was in the fridge when I woke up. It was taped together because it was so big. So I was a little guy, always trying to gain weight. Uh, but she always put an inspirational quote inside my lunchbox every single day. And uh, I have a lot of them still from when I was growing up. Um, you know, my mom still sends me my action figures of Star Wars and whatever it was for holidays, right? And that's kind of my gift is my childhood back to me. And uh, but it was, she always wrote me inspirational notes and things like that. And I think that's maybe where that came from. And um, because I think you can always make an impression on somebody in a short amount of time by saying something. And, and I think, you know, as you continue to make your own program, I think, you know, people always talk to us about we're slogan people and we're the slogan, slogan culture. We have a culture like everybody else. 
we just make it very public and very open to everybody to That's access right. and use. And I'm not afraid to share it with people. A lot of people want to protect it and not share it. I, mean, I want to share it and let people use it. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for my wife, I, I'm not sure where Row the Boat would be. Uh, for her to be able, after 1 in 11, <coughs> uh, you know, your Row the Boat didn't work. Everybody's asked me, where's my next slogan coming from? What are you going to use this year? And I'm like, maybe this row, maybe the row of the boat, maybe I shouldn't use my personal story, you know? And she said, you're going to use it. And you're, you're going to make sure that this is what it's for. It's not for the easy times. It's for the really no. difficult times. And if it wasn't for her, I might have I folded up shop and we'd be something else by now, you know? But there wouldn't be a big ship in the game, the stadium we're going to play. And how ironic is that? <laughs> yeah, right. The way, the way you are, the way you're selling your vision here, was this the 25-year-old PJ play? Was this the 16-year-old PJ play? Have, yeah, you, this, have you changed, or are you the same guy in a different Well, I think outfit? you always evolve. You always change. I want to change every day. I want to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday. Um, been through a lot in my career. Uh, my dad kills bugs for a living. My mom's a teacher's aide. Uh, I, none of, nobody in my family coached. I was a sixth-grade social studies teacher. Maybe I have creativity. I got an 18 on the ACT three straight times. Uh, so... You know, it was, um, I, I just got myself around incredible people, and I worked really hard. Uh, and so this has been who I've been my entire life. I've always been an overachiever. I've always been a runt. I've always been uh, the guy who didn't have maybe the in. You had to find a way to work yourself in. And, and I think that's that's where I take the most pride in is that, you know, when I teach young assistants that work for me or I get around other people is I'm here to show you that there's a way. If you just outwork yourself, don't compare yourself to somebody else, but if you outwork yourself today, better version of yourself than yesterday you're going to accomplish extraordinary things it's just it's just we don't want to do that we want to compare ourselves to somebody else and say today was good enough what well, was it was it really good enough and then i got myself around people who are just like that with like greg Ciano and jim tressel and mike nolan and you can accomplish anything do you not allow yourself to have a bad day you, just, uh, you don't let uh, it out uh, i think that's a question for my wife uh, heather <laughs> but I, I i really don't believe in bad days anymore uh, i don't i believe in hard days um but there's always learning experiences. There's always something that you can learn from, and there's always a way to be able to shape somebody else's life based on what you're going through. Because somebody has it harder than you, no matter what you're going through, right? Somebody has it worse. And I think when you have that type of perspective and then you throw row the boat in there uh, and the never give up mantra, I mean, you can accomplish anything. And, uh, but that's, uh, I think that's a question for her. But I, I would say I don't have many bad days, just really hard days. Uh, because you're in charge of so many. And you take a lot of the relationships you have very personal. You want to make people's lives better every day. And when somebody screws up or somebody doesn't do something right, you take that personal because you feel like you failed them. And uh, I think that's what I've been able to do my entire life. Coach, when I use your name would have gotten a lot of interest in the coaching carousel, but you agreed to no extension during the season. Why did you want to stay? Yeah, I've never been interested in where the name goes and who it gets associated with. We want to be able to make the biggest difference we possibly can, and we feel like we can do that at the University of Minnesota. Uh, we're Midwest people. We love where we live. Uh, we love the lakes. We're huge into lakes, and they have 11,842 of them. Uh, but we feel like we, this is something we can really build on. Uh, when you look at the University of Minnesota before I got there, we had seven head coaches in 14 years. There was a lot of turnover. Uh, there was a lack of cultural sustainability. And that's what I feel like we can bring is that sustainability. And, uh, we really like who we get to work for. Mark Coyle, our athletic director, he is a rock star. I mean a rock star. He's, he's a tremendous person to work for. We were in line with the same morals, ethics, and values. And we get to accomplish something that, again, why did we take the job? Because of all the things. We had 97 nevers and firsts this year that we've accomplished. Close to 60 restorations. That's why I took the job. 
and this is only year three. So it's one of those things when you look at Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, and they've had two coaches in 40-some years. That's why they have so much success of the culture of sustainability, and we feel like Minnesota's a sleeping giant. And the more sustainable success you have, the better you can be. Coach, when I talk to people who've known you, (laughs) they talk about you are exponentially attention to detail. How hard is it you for walk away from that position and be the overall head coach and not really get that exponential attention? Well, you can still get it. You just have to work harder and longer. Uh, And you have to be, you have to really trust your people. Uh, One thing I've been able to do is hire an amazing staff. Um, I've been head coach seven years. We've been head coach of the year three of those seven years. And I say we because it's a credit to them. It's their reward. It's not mine. It's their award. And when you have people you can really trust, you can be the best head coach you can be. And so for all those details, it's the details in them, but it's trusting them to be able to do their job and knowing they're going to do their job. So you can focus your attention on the complete helicopter, big picture view. And I think I learned that from Greg. He was the most detailed person I could ever meet. Uh, You could have a crumb in the corner of your office behind your desk and Greg would know it's there. Uh, he just would. And you're as an assistant coach in a wide receiver. He never came into your office, but he'd know it's there. He had that sixth sense. And I think as a head coach, you have to have a sixth sense based on the feel of your team, the feel of your staff, the feel of the donors, boosters, alumni, the community. And Greg taught me how to be able to do that. And uh, it's a lot harder to do it that way. Uh, it, 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 it's, uh, but if you want something that becomes elite, you're going to have to be able to do it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You said your mom sent you Star Wars characters. Uh, so, favorite character? Oh, Luke Skywalker for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was Luke for Halloween, and back back then you couldn't be a stormtrooper. You know, you, nobody could make a stormtrooper outfit. You couldn't have one of those. You know, so I was Jim McMahon for four straight Halloweens. So when I had hair and I could spike it up, but I was I was one of those kids that kind of just stuck to what I liked. And Jim McMahon was the real deal. But I think I was Luke Skywalker once or twice as well. And but yeah, I had, you know, she sends me my Superman, my Captain America, really for the holidays. Instead of getting me materialistic gifts, she gives me those types of things. Stuff so that's the basement at home. Yeah, basically she's cleaning out the basement and giving all the junk to me. That's basically what she's doing. I'm just, I'm smarter than that. I know what she's doing. It's all in my office. Whatever she sends usually goes in my office. Because Heather's not going to allow that in our house, I promise you. Coach, you talk about sustainability. You're not going to sneak up on anybody next year. They're going to know who Minnesota is. How do you keep that? Sustainable? Well, we don't want to sneak up on anybody, you know. I think that's where you want to get to a program, just like Auburn. Auburn's never going to sneak up on anybody. And when we found out we're playing Auburn, our entire team went, whoa. That's what we want people to be able to say when they talk about Minnesota football one day. You don't want to be a team that always just sneaks up on somebody. You want head-to-head competition, respect versus respect, really elite versus elite. And that's what college football is all about. And that's why I took the job in Minnesota. That's why I went from Western Michigan to here to coach at the highest level. And to really build a program into that type of uh, tradition. Coach, I'm about Auburn, uh, a little bit. Uh, not sure how much you've had a chance to look at them yet, but early impressions. I've had a whole week on the plane to watch them, uh, and I've watched every game. Uh, they're one of the best football teams I've I've played against as a head football coach. 
uh, by far. Uh, and they're the complete package because, one, they're explosive on offense, sound on offense, and to Gus Melzahn's credit, creative on offense. What you see one week is going to be maybe 20% of what you're going to see the next week. Usually you can have 80-20. They're more 20-80. He's so creative, and he takes that basic system and that basic philosophy and spins it 20 different ways for the next opponent so you can't get a beat on him. And every game is so different for them, and they find multiple ways to win. But I think their defensive line is uh, well-documented how good they are. Linebackers are just as good. Secondary is going to play in man coverage when they can. Um, And... Again, their offense, Bo Nix, has done a great job. You can see that he makes everybody else better. We feel like we have a quarterback like that that has just that personality and the intangibles, just the light fires of, uh, amongst people. And Bo Nix does that with his passion for playing. And then he's got weapons everywhere. And it seems like every week there was a new weapon that won him the game. So we know what we're in store for. Uh, we know how good they are, and we know how creative they are and how good of a coaching staff they are. And we've got to be at our best. Could you describe how uh, important Antoine Winfield is for your program? Uh, I think Antoine Winfield, one, if you haven't met him, you're going to. He's one of the best human beings you'll ever meet in your entire life. Uh, He's been through so much adversity in his life, and he's overcome all of it with the positive attitude and really that roll-the-boat type mentality he's had and instilled in him. He's got such a knack to play the game, right? If you grow up with a farming father, you're probably going to grow up with a knack of farming. Right? You grew up with a painter father, you're probably going to have a knack for paint corners and be a little more meticulous. He grew up with a father that played 14 years in the National Football League. There, there's a reason why he has the instincts he has. It's not based on me coaching him. He's had that all along, but we've been able to put him in the right positions to get him to, be, to use his talents at an elite level. Um, but he is one of the best players in college football, one of the best defensive players in college football. And we just spent time together at the Nagurski Awards, which was tremendous for him to represent Minnesota with Bronco Nagurski being a, 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 you know, a former gopher. And, um, it's just wonderful to be able to have him on the football team. He makes you a better coach, that's for sure. When you have a guy like him, he makes you a better football coach for sure. Coach, we wouldn't be where we're at without him. Coach Jim McVay walks in with the biggest smile on his face and goes, guys, what's this picture of? And it's all the thank you notes your players sent. That's about as first class as I ever heard. Well, is that what you want? Absolutely. You know, we're here. This is an educational program. We're not a football program. This is a life program. So academically, athletically, socially, spiritually, we are going to touch their life. Remember, I'm a sixth grade ancient Rome social studies teacher at heart. That's what I did. And so we're going to find a way to educate them the best way we can. We were selected to come here, right? Selected. Just like when their girlfriend selected them to go to the dance, right? That's who they wanted to go with. Some heard no, some heard yes. They were selected. They're probably very thankful. We were selected to be here, so we are going to write thank you notes. We do that a lot to anybody who selects us, that we get a chance to go uh, be a part of their community. Uh, Hopefully they got a chance to read them all because they were very specific. They couldn't be very generic. They had to actually have some substance to them. And, um, you know, but again, we're very thankful to be here. We're more thankful to be here than probably the Outback Bowl is to have us. And we made that very clear to our football team. And they made it very clear when we announced the selection. We're, we're thinking about grading them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I would like the results to that. Yeah. We, we have 85 players above a 3-0, so I would like to be able to verify that. Who wrote the best note? You know, we're gonna wrap up you know what, I would probably say a guy by, like guys. Tanner Morgan probably did our quarterback, a guy uh, probably Demetrius Douglas, one of our wide receivers, number 82. I could see them writing some very creative notes. Winston DeLabadier, the third, he probably has the most creative note, number 46, our starting defensive end. I bet you if you look at his note, you'll probably cry. PJ, were you the only guy to wear cleats and you know, to practice?
practice with Bucks? At the Bucks, I was, yes. Now I leave that to my wide receiver coach. So Matt Simon, my wide receiver coach, played for me. So when you play for the head coach, you pretty much have to do what the head coach says. So I've passed that down to him. I mean, I'm 39. I'm one year away from being 40. So I've left that to him. The last thing the head coach wants to do is, like, tear an Achilles, right, blow out your knee. That loses all, like, credibility of you being a former player. So uh, I still have that, and I'd like to keep it. So if he does it, he's the wide receiver coach. It's okay. And I'm sure Greg felt the same way about me. But uh, I I haven't worn cleats in a while, but – They'll make an appearance at some point. <laughs> What's your biggest memory of that year with the Bucks? A specific a game or a player? Or yeah, something Vincent that Jackson by far. Vincent Jackson, uh, one, one of the greatest human beings I've ever met, and he does so much for the Tampa area. He's been a great friend to me, and I remember when I met him. Uh, first of all, it was fifty-five million dollars, right? <laughs> and I remember Greg saying, "Hey, we just got Vincent." I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Hey, don't screw it up," uh, because I'm making whatever it was, right? Uh, obviously, not fifty-five million dollars. And so I knew that if I screwed it up, I would have been the only time I've ever coached in the National Football League. And here I am, the same age as Vincent. So I remember having my first meeting with Vincent, and I sit him down. I'm like, I'm your wide receiver coach, you know? He's like, yep, you are. And I said, I promise you this. If you just trust me, give me a month. I said, I'll change your life. And he kind of looked at me like, what are you, I'm a pro bowler. Like, what are you going to do for that? Uh, but I remember him saying that, if you can make me better in every area of my life, I'll listen to you. If you can't do it in every area of my life, I've, 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 wide receiver coaches are a dime a dozen. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this is, this is a powerful meeting. This is another ultimatum. All I keep doing is getting ultimatums from people. And um, we had an unbelievable working relationship and a personal relationship and still do to this day. Uh, he's a tremendous person who's given so much. Uh, I think he's he, throughout his time in the NFL, from San Diego to when he came here in Tampa, he matured so much as a man, uh, had been through a lot, and he overcame a lot. And it says a lot about his character and who he is. And now he's got four kids, and he's got restaurants. He's got every, I mean, he's got everything. And uh, that doesn't surprise me about Vincent because he was one of the hardest workers I've ever met. And a lot of our players will ask, Coach, who's the best one you've ever coached? Vincent Jackson was by far the best I've ever coached. Hardest worker, best person, took coaching the most, didn't have to. He was the best player. But when your best players are your hardest workers, you can have a culture. And you can have a really good football team. And that's what Vincent brought to to Tampa. Hope you all have a very Merry Christmas tomorrow. We'll talk to Diana Neros about the Tampa Bay Lightning's first half of their season and still time for them to catch up, of course, in the standings in the Atlantic Division. And on Friday, myself and Eduardo Encina We'll preview the Bucks' final game of the 2019 season against the Atlanta Falcons at Raymond James Stadium. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great holiday, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.